be a beautiful weekend. We're talking about uh, Taylor Swift uh, with uh, two concerts in uh, Seattle. Of course, British Columbia is heading down across the border to also watch the Blue Jays. We've got a three-game series against Seattle. We forget other parts of the world that are going through or that have been going through an incredible challenge. Ukraine, of course, comes to mind right away. Significant amount of people uh, in that country uh, that have fled that region. Eight million refugees from Ukraine alone. Many of them come to British Columbia as well. But the help that that country needs uh, is uh, first and foremost on the front lines as well. Uh, Our next guest got back from Ukraine in April and she plans to go back very soon. Dr. Tracy Parnell is a doctor trained in emergency medicine and disaster management and she joins us now. Uh, Dr. Parnell, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you very much for having me. So first and foremost, uh, you got back in April, you're going again. What drives you to do this? I think um, a lot of it has to do with the overwhelming need that is there. Um, the catastrophic wounds, the the injured, the ill patients who can't get out of the, the firing zone, um, the overwhelming need and, and the passion that these people have to to fight for freedom. Um, you know, they're, they're adamant that this is a fight for freedom that you and I just take for granted. And they're prepared to, to die to ensure that their children and grandchildren have, have freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a powerful, powerful motivator. What, what, when did you go on your first trip to Ukraine? My first trip was in April last year, shortly after um, the war started at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend, um, a person that I worked with, but I didn't actually hadn't met her. And her husband was a general surgeon and they were trying to figure out how to train gynecologists to put in chest tubes. And I've done a lot of trauma training over the years. So I offered to go. And by the time I got there, she connected me with this whole community of people on the Eastern Front that were in desperate need of, of help. And I just keep going back. <laughs> Have you uh, been to, a, did, did you prior to that go to a war zone prior to that? No, I have a military background, but it was um, more training and administration and practice and exercises, not um, active war zones. But it's certainly an environment that I feel fairly comfortable in with my training and background. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a, an average day, which is kind of hard to say average day, but what does a day look like yeah. for you when you are there on the front lines? It, it, you know, every day is absolutely different. It depends on sort of what um, what role I'm in at that time. So it can be that we're doing training um, with doctors and, and medical staff. Um, it can also be that we're doing mentoring. So if we're doing mentoring, then we're often either in an ambulance or a stabilization point, which is sort of like a, um, a mini resuscitation area, an emergency department set up in goodness knows where. Um, and uh, it starts really, really early in the morning, often goes, you know, usually 24 hours on then 12 hours off, well, less than 12 hours and then another 24 hours. It, it's it's very 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 intense. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, when 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 this war first started, there was significant uh, coverage, interest. 
Um, uh, you know, and as the weeks and months progress, there is a tendency in this. And I, I mean, I used to cover the war in Afghanistan, be in and out of Afghanistan quite a bit. And it's always sometimes frustrating when you come back, uh, because, you know, Canadians go about their lives, news and what they hear from another part of the world is that it's in their subconscious, but it's not front and center. Uh, when you come back, do you sense mm. that when you deal with your your your, your oh, fellow British Columbians? Yeah. And A, does it make you angry? or I mean, how do you feel? I mean, I shouldn't say angry, but how do you feel? Uh, you know what? I really have to put a, a, a different mindset on when I when I come back because it's like you know, these people here don't have that exposure. They haven't had that one-on-one experience of being in a, you know, a war zone where people are dying, people are being horrifically wounded, where there's a, a, a you know an awful uh, aggressor that is is just wiping people's lives out, and and we're talking by hundreds and thousands, and you know if you don't have that personal experience, I think it's really easy to just get into the routine. Um, so I try not to get frustrated with it, but I, I also really want to encourage people to to spend a little bit of more a little bit more time and no one understand what's happening because in my opinion, what's happening there. Um, you know, really could have a much more substantial impact on us in the future. At least if you look back in history at, you know, prior to World War II, the events happening in the 1930s are, are really quite mirroring what's happening in, in Eastern Europe right now. And that's very terrifying uh, to me. And I hope that, you know, we kind of wake up and, and continue to do our part and support Ukraine um, because it's a battle that, that we really, all of us can't afford to have lost. Based on your first trip and your last trip, uh, how are the people mm-hmm. holding up, not the ones that are injured, but the ones that are still living living their day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. still fighting? Uh, what's right. their, their sort of demeanor, their mindset? What do you, are they still there to fight? Are they still uh, optimistic? I don't. I don't know if optimistic is is the right word. Are they determined? Absolutely. I mean, they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. They really don't. You know, having um, a settlement with Russia just really isn't an option if they really want to have freedom. And um, so they're determined. They're passionate, and you know, they're motivated by things that we've forgotten about. You know, I mean, I remember. You know, ancestors talking about, um, you know, great-grandparents, you know, sort of passing on, we're, we fought for freedom. It really doesn't mean anything to us today. Um, you know, even those of us who served in the, in the military capacity, it doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. when you go there. And I mean, you've been in a, you've been in a war zone, you, you understand this. You, you look at people, and these people are fighting for their very existence, for, for freedoms that mm-hmm. we really just take for granted. And um, yeah, it, it makes me so much more grateful for what we have here, so much more willing to, to fight for the values that we have here in Western society, a free society, mm-hmm. um, and to do everything I can to support them in, in trying to win this battle so that they can transform their society into one that respects freedom. Is there uh, a particular uh, organization or uh, funding ne- mechanism if people want to support you or your organization for the work that you do? Uh, where can they go? Um, well, we we finally gave in. So I'm I mean I'm a, a doctor. I have two nurse colleagues, one from California, one from um, Gaspé, that 
we sort of connect when we get there. We're not a formal organization. We're just doing our best. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have started a, a GoFundMe campaign for a bunch of equipment and training um, stuff that we can't afford to buy on our own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's under Medic Team for the number Ukraine. Um, and people are being super generous, and we really, really appreciate it. And it focuses not only on trauma, but also most of us do virtual clinics when we're back in Canada. So overnight, we will um, you know, see patients through a telehealth um, network, but we don't have, you know, virtual stethoscopes and stuff that we really need to be able to to care for those patients who are stuck in in a war zone and just can't leave. Um, we, when we were there, it's easy, but when we're far away, it's it's difficult. So we're raising funds to try and um, help both those circumstances as traumatically wounded as well as those who are stuck in the war zone. Yeah. So once again, that's the GoFundMe page, and it's Medic M E D I C Medic Team. For the number four, Ukraine, medic team for Ukraine, uh, if you yep. wish to donate at the GoFundMe page. Uh, Dr. Parnell, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate you and uh, and your listeners' support. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the, the people in Ukraine and my, my colleagues as well. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.